Hi, listeners. This is Understand South Carolina, a weekly news podcast from the Post and Courier. I'm Emily Williams. And I'm Matt Rasnick. This week, we're talking about the COVID-19 vaccine rollout in South Carolina. Assistant Columbia Bureau Chief Shauna Adcox broke down for us how shots from Pfizer and Moderna are being distributed in the state. Like every part of the country, the demand for vaccines in South Carolina far outweighs the supply. But it's been difficult to even get the supply that we do have into the arms of eligible healthcare workers and seniors. If you've been confused by who can get the vaccine and when and how, you are not alone, and we're hoping to answer some of those questions today. We are also going to hear from editor Lauren Saucer, who's heading up a brand new health team that's helping us to double down on coverage of COVID-19 in South Carolina. I'm Shauna Adcox. I'm the Assistant Bureau Chief in Columbia, and I've been covering the State House for 16 years now. Can you talk us through the phases of the vaccine rollout in South Carolina? What phase are we in right now? So we're still in phase 1A, which is where we've been since the whole process started in mid-December. There are actually four phases, but three of them are called phase one. It's phase 1A, 1B, 1C, and then phase two. And phase 1A is nearly a million people. It includes healthcare workers of all stripes. If you're in the healthcare industry, you're on the list. Um, It includes seniors 70 and older and long-term care facility residents and staff, meaning nursing homes, assisted living centers. It started out as about 353,000 people, but when they added uh, seniors, it jumped by like more than 600,000. Right now, there's, in terms of a timeline, when phase 1B will start, it's all we have is early spring. So your guess is as good as mine when that will actually happen. That'll depend on supply from the federal government largely. And then that phase is about 575,000 people. The biggest phase by far is phase 1C. And that's when they add in people ages 65 to 74, people with underlying health conditions, and then a bunch of what they call essential workers. And then phase two is essentially just everyone else who didn't fall in an otherwise category. The rollout of the vaccine here in the U.S. and South Carolina has been rocky. Can you walk us through the issues people were having with the current appointment making process and why it has been so nightmarish? So the reason for the slow rollout is multifaceted. For starters, hospitals didn't even realize that they were supposed to be making appointments and giving shots to people beyond their walls, which was cleared up somewhere around the end of December. Then you've got the hospitals confused about whether they should hold back second doses, because obviously for the Pfizer shot, you need a second dose three weeks later. Some hospitals thought they needed to be holding back their supply to guarantee that second shot. That was only cleared up in the last couple of weeks. Then on top of all that, there's this VAM system and the sign-up system that's been such a nightmare. When DHEC added eligibility for seniors, they launched this website that's supposed to show you where you can get an appointment, but beyond the fact that appointment might not be there until several weeks or even months out, you couldn't get an appointment through that website. You had to then contact the provider, which then required registering through the federal system called VAMS. It's vaccine administration management. And as you can imagine, it's a bureaucratic mess. So problems included, it spontaneously canceled appointments. You have to have an email, which, you know, if you're 79, 80 years old, chances are good in South Carolina, you don't have an email address. So there was that 
whole issue. And then it was just a problem of people that age trying to navigate this bureaucracy. So not even the hospitals didn't like it. Even DHEC called it a four-letter word. They're supposed to be rolling out a new system this week. I still don't know exactly when. All they say is sometime this week. It's supposed to offer one-stop shopping. You go to the website and you're able to see by the green dot where an appointment is available and then automatically be able to sign up with that provider and not only just sign up for the first shot, but also the second shot at the same time. And if you don't have an internet connection, which a lot of people in South Carolina don't, you're supposed to be able to call a new designated hotline that's supposed to be manned by a lot more people than the current one is to make sure people can actually get through to get help. But that's supposed to allow them to make an appointment through the call center. Right. And that's one of those issues that we could have predicted, right, that we are opening up vaccinations to an older segment of the population. I think no surprise that we're having some of those technical issues. So it sounds like so some people will be able to call instead of booking online. And then for those booking online, they're removing one of those complicated steps to make it more streamlined. Several complicated steps, actually. And going back to whether we should have been a little bit more prepared on this, on the day that seniors became eligible, as you can imagine, the care, what they call the care line, the, the current hotline, was flooded by calls, so much so that it wasn't even working. You didn't just get a whole busy signal. I mean, you just got no connection whatsoever. On that morning, DHEC contracted to double their number of operators from 30 to 60, but that still can't handle everybody because that Carolina is for everything that DHEC handles, which it's a massive agency. Across the country, we're starting to see more of these mass vaccine drive-through events. Are any of them being offered right now here in South Carolina? So Roper started offering one last week in North Charleston and Prisma, which is the state's largest hospital system, began offering two, one in Greenville and one in Columbia. DHEC had a pilot at the state fairgrounds on the 15th that didn't exactly go as planned, but DHEC said anyone with a, a mass event should do an appointment only to avoid the long lines. Prisma actually announced on the same day that DHEC said that they were going to do walk-ups, but then they announced last Friday that the supply is so low they can't take walk-ups anymore. So as our supply increases, they're supposed to be planning for more such events. And DHEC is supposed to be rolling out a rolling vaccine teams, like 46 of them, to go to the rural areas. What is the supply and demand situation right now in South Carolina? Everywhere, more people obviously want the vaccine than can get it right now. But how many vaccines are we getting approximately on a regular basis here? And is that going to change? So we have been getting about 63,000 doses from the federal government every week. And that wasn't expected to change. That was going to be the amount for the foreseeable future. And then the Biden administration announced Wednesday that there was going to be a 16% increase in the Moderna doses. What happens beyond three weeks? I, just, I don't know. But that means for South Carolina, we'll get 10,000 additional doses, upping it to about 73,000 instead of 63,000. But that still doesn't answer our supply problem. We have many more people needing it than we do available doses. 
who in the state is deciding where vaccines are being distributed and to who? And then how is DHEC going to make sure that access to the vaccine meets all the places that need it here in the state? So until a couple weeks ago, basically DHEC was ordering whatever the hospitals asked for because the hospitals didn't seek any more than the state's allotment could give. Well, then we had, you know, 600,000 plus people suddenly become eligible with the addition of 70 and older and uh, more providers started coming online. We were no longer needing to allocate all the Moderna doses to long-term care facilities. So that meant the Moderna share could start going to pharmacies and doctor's offices and urgent care centers. And as those started coming online, add that to the fact that hospitals were seeking a lot more doses. DHEC just realized that they needed to figure out how to allocate on a fair basis statewide. So on Tuesday, they presented two options to the board. One was strict per capita based on how many people live in that county. And the other factored in some other socioeconomic factors, age, and there was really not any discussion on option B. They went with the simpler option A of per capita strictly by you know, population within that county, not demographics about that county. But it didn't take place immediately. Basically, they directed DHEC to, to figure it out, figure out the logistics. And at the next meeting in two weeks, they would look at the logistics and go from there. Well, the House decided, legislators decided they don't like that. A, they don't like that it's a bunch of politically appointed board members deciding this. Of course, they are legislators and themselves <laughs> instead of health officials. But in a bill yesterday, if it if it becomes law, the allocations would instead be done on a regional basis, divide the state up into four regions per capita, plus the demographics of age and, and poverty. Now that the House passed that yesterday, Wednesday, it will be sent to the Senate today, and the Senate will take it up next week. That was part of a bill that that allocates up to $208 million in state reserves toward the vaccine and COVID fighting efforts. 63 million of that goes directly to DHEC, 45 million goes to MUSC, and then they create this reserve fund that can send the rest of it to providers, to hospitals and the other providers as needed, as they need to set up mass vaccination events, whatever they need, basically. If federal money can cover some of that, that's supposed to be used first, but this will be available immediately after the law passes, which will probably be next week. One of the reasons why the legislators didn't like DX per county, strict per capita, is because they fear that that will leave the rural areas underserved. Now, DHEC swears that they have a plan for rural areas, and even one of the board members who voted against DHEC plan because worries of rural areas says that Hopefully, with the addition of pharmacies, that will help with the rural areas. You know, they might not have a hospital, but they have a local pharmacist. Right now, largely the only pharmacies are the big ones, you know, CVS, Walgreens, Kroger, Publix, Walmart. Not every community has a Walmart. As more pharmacies come online, hopefully that will help. What about long-term care facilities? How are people in those facilities getting the vaccine? So that's handled through a federal contract directly with CVS and Walgreens in South Carolina. DHEC has very little control or say in, in how that's going. And we're trying to actually figure out 
why the percentage of vaccines available to actually shots in arm is so low for that program. DHEC, unlike other states, went ahead and designated every shot that they would need for all long-term care, every resident, every staff member. So those are all pre-designated. It's a matter of now it's a, we need to get them in arms. Every long-term care facility in the state is supposed to have been visited at least once by Thursday, but that doesn't mean everybody there has gotten their first shot by any means because it can take three or more visits just for everyone who wants a shot in that nursing home to actually be able to get one. Earlier this month, Governor McMaster was warning that if hospitals didn't administer doses faster, that he would suspend elective surgeries and a major moneymaker for hospitals. How did the hospitals respond to that? That's when some of the confusion over second doses was uh, clarified. Some of those hospitals were holding that back. And when McMaster said, we need you to get those available shots in arms now and not hold those back, that's helped clear that up. (laughs) The drive-through vaccine clinics uh, were scheduled. And so he's actually rescinded that threat because the hospitals are doing a better job now, collectively. So we know that some people are still hesitant to get the vaccine. That's true here in South Carolina. That's true across the country. What is DHEC and what are state officials doing to try to promote the vaccine and kind of combat any misinformation about it? Well, DHEC is relying on us in the media a lot. They have the website and the particular web page for a lot of the vaccine information is scdhec.gov backslash vaxfacts. There's so much information, it can be difficult to find everything you're looking for for the person who doesn't deal with it day in and day out. Legislators told DHEC last week they need to do a better job of communicating, and they do have marketing plans uh, in the future as the vaccine becomes more widely available. It has been so limited in the the past that they've, I guess they didn't need to advertise it to people who weren't eligible. They refer to the media as their partners in helping get out information, and I'm doing my darndest to help in terms of just getting information to people. Obviously, South Carolina has not been alone and its struggle to get the vaccine to as many people as possible. But how does our state compare to other states when it comes to vaccine distribution? Oh, well, not great. (laughs) DHEC says we look like we're doing worse than we are because of those designated doses to long-term care. Other states are sending doses to long-term care as part of their weekly shipment. We've already sent all 200,000 plus shipments towards that program. And they're about 20% administered. And again, we're trying to figure out what's going on there. DHEC says that helps explain why we look like we're doing worse than we are. That said, we're still doing better than a dozen states or so, but that still puts us at the back of the pack. So as reporters, I know we hear a lot from members in the community And since you've been writing so much about the vaccine rollout, I'm sure you get calls and emails from people who have questions. What have they been saying? I guess, what are some of the questions that you're hearing most often right now from people? The most common thing I heard throughout late December and into January were from seniors who were adamant that they deserved a shot. And, you know, I, I can't argue with that. You know, I, I can just say who is and isn't eligible, and I felt very bad, honestly, 
that most of my answers were when they said, where can I get a shot? I, I should have a shot. My answer was, I'm sorry, you can't. There is nowhere you can go. So when seniors officially became eligible on the 13th and they announced that, you know, two days prior, I thought, oh, thank God. <laughs> I can finally tell these seniors where they can go to get a shot. And then it turned from, I should be able to get a shot to, I can't navigate this system. How the heck does this work? And I can't get an appointment for three weeks out or I can't get an appointment. The worst one I heard was April 22nd. That has filled up a lot of my time in terms of just trying to help people navigate things. What I'm hearing now is I can't get a second shot. Um, and what DHEC has just recently clarified is people should make sure when they get their first shot, if they haven't already set it up for their second shot, make your appointment then and there. Now the new system should do the first and second appointments, but people who didn't know they, sh even the hospitals who didn't know they should have arranged that. And because VAMS didn't distinguish between first and second shots, it made people look like the only eligible appointment for their second shot was uh, still a long way off. And they're supposed to get it within three weeks for Pfizer and four weeks for Moderna. What are some of the questions on your mind that we're thinking about as we continue to cover this vaccine rollout, which of course is going to be story we'll follow throughout 2021, I'm sure. Well, the, one of the biggest questions I still can't answer is when will we go to phase 1B or when will we go to phase 1C? I, it's very fluid, you know, late spring or early spring are, are the only time frames that DHEC is giving and it completely depends on supply and how quickly we could administer the supply we have. And there's also the question of, you know, whether the rules are going to change. My name is Lauren Saucer, and I'm the editor of the health and science team here at the Post and Courier. So this is a new team for the Posting Courier and what sparked the development of it? We've always had healthcare reporters, at least since I've been here at the Posting Courier. And um, the health team has taken on different forms over the years. I was hired at the beginning of 2013. And for a while there, I was the only healthcare reporter. Um, the We've had others come on board since. And um, recently, Everyone, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but everyone's sort of had to become a healthcare reporter in some sense. Um, and obviously people all across the newsroom, no matter what beat you work or what team you're on, um, this past year, you've been covering healthcare in some shape or form. This new team, we're pulling resources sort of under one roof, if you will. I am going to be the editor of the team and I'm going to continue writing about healthcare like I have for the past eight years. Also on the team is MK Wildeman, who is joining us from the business desk and she has covered healthcare here in South Carolina, particularly from a business angle um, and a hospital angle for about four years. Shauna Adcox in Columbia, who is one of our state house experts, will be covering what the lawmakers are talking about, what the state regulatory agencies are talking about. And then also on the team, we have a science component made up of Chloe Johnson and Shamira McRae, who will be focusing largely on climate change, as that is such a big issue for us here in the Lowcountry and across South Carolina. 
So with this new team, how will our health coverage and specifically our coverage of COVID-19 change? I don't know that it's going to change. I think that we've been doing really good work on this front literally for the past year. I was just rereading some of the articles that we wrote about a year ago before the first cases were even diagnosed in South Carolina. So we've been on top of this for a while. I think that for logistical purposes behind the scenes, the new team will, I think, maybe be able to think even a little bit bigger than we have been doing. The COVID stories have changed over the past year, whereas 12 months ago, we were talking about diagnosing, we were talking about flattening the curve. You don't really hear that so much anymore. The curve is the curve is what it is. The topic right now that everyone wants to know about is vaccine. So it'll just allow us a little bit more internal organization to make sure that we're staying on top of the issues that need our attention most at this point. What are some of the goals that you have for the team this year? That's a good question. I have worked with MK really closely in the past. She and I work well together. I think that I want to keep turning out really good coverage. Sometimes that's critical coverage. Sometimes we're writing health feature stories. Sometimes we're looking into investigative pieces. We we think about angles that other news outlets aren't thinking about. We file a lot of Freedom of Information Act requests to get information that might not be immediately readily available. So I think that my goal will be to honestly just follow the stories and break the stories that readers might not be getting anywhere else in South Carolina. COVID is is very much a big problem here. And I'd go so far to say is it's a bigger problem in South Carolina than in some other parts of the country. If you look at our vaccination rates, we're we're not doing great. There are problems that need to be looked into and I'm hoping that this new newsroom organization, these these dedicated reporters on our health and science team will be able to do just that. I think one of the things that this pandemic has done, and, and you touched on the fact that really everyone has had to in some way be a health reporter this year, but just overall the pandemic has really shed light on a lot of existing problems, existing inequities that were maybe exacerbated by COVID. What are some of those issues in the health space that you've seen that you'd like to cover more with this new team? Sure. I mean, that's a great question. I just mentioned a second ago how, you know, we're facing some significant problems in South Carolina when it comes to COVID-19. But we face a lot of significant problems when it comes to healthcare in general. I mean, we have very high infant mortality rates. We have very high rate of adults who don't have a health insurance in South Carolina. Access to care in rural areas is a big problem here. We have high cancer death rates, and I could, I could keep going. On top of all of those issues, in almost every area, we have these what are called health disparities, and those usually fall along racial lines in South Carolina. So, you know, you talk about the state's high infant mortality rate, for example, but if you break that down between white and black infant deaths, the white rate is actually quite low compared to the rest of the country. It's the black rate that 
um, is really alarming. And it, 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 it goes to show you that the state is just not serving these patients well. The last time I looked at, and again, I'm going to mention infant mortality, but the last time I looked at those numbers, I think a black infant was three times as likely to die before his or her first birthday than a white infant. The pandemic has definitely exacerbated a lot of these problems. It's made a healthcare system that serves different people in different ways even worse and even more challenging for people to navigate. So certainly those are some of the issues that we're going to be looking at. One of the things I know that we're going to be looking at this coming month is how the pandemic has impacted Medicaid enrollment rates. So in theory, a lot of people, well, and Emily, you know this as a business reporter, a lot of people lost their jobs in 2020 because of the pandemic. But South Carolina is one of only a few states at this point, and this is going to get a little technical, that has not that has decided not to expand Medicaid eligibility with federal money that was made available 10 years ago or so under the Affordable Care Act. So as it stands now, there are different Medicaid eligibility rules in each state, but in South Carolina, it's very difficult for adults who don't have children to qualify for that Medicaid coverage, no matter how poor they are. So like I said, just a second ago, we had a lot of people losing their jobs last year and that has not that won't necessarily correlate to a big jump in adult Medicaid enrollees. Now, I do anticipate, and I haven't seen the numbers yet, but that we will have seen, we will have more Medicaid beneficiaries than we did a year ago. But I imagine um, a lot, if not most of those increases um, were seen among children who became newly eligible. These are just a lot of ancillary issues that definitely have been impacted by the pandemic that the team is already starting to think about. What are some of the best ways that people can follow along with the coverage that this team is putting out? So every day, and this is a resource that I use and as as a news consumer, but the Post and Courier's digital team um, updates our, corona, we call it a coronavirus dashboard. And that includes the new updates from DHEC every day. And that includes the the cumulative data from the past year. We have maps and and charts, and it's just really helpful. There's also on that page a link to all of our most current coverage. So, you know, every single day we're writing a new story um, about the new coronavirus numbers, so that's an easy way to keep up with it. Basically, all you have to do is go to www.postandcourier.com slash health slash COVID-19, and that dashboard is free for anybody to use. We also have a health section that comes out every Monday. Um, that's a print product for our print subscribers. And we have a free health and science newsletter that comes out every Tuesday morning. That's very easy to sign up for. You can do that on the homepage. Um, that includes healthcare news that we might not have reported anywhere else. It includes some articles that we're just reading from other news sources. It, of course, includes a roundup of some of the significant stories that we've been working on the past week. And as always, we will include the links to the COVID-19 dashboard and that newsletter in our show notes today. So thanks so much for sharing more about the new team. 
you have other questions about the vaccines and the pandemic that you want us to answer on this show, write to us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or tweet us at understandsc. Be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter so you can be one of the first to hear about new episodes. By signing up at the link in the show notes, you will automatically be entered for a chance to win a pair of Apple AirPods. Thanks, and we'll be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandsc at postandcourier.com or on Twitter at understandsc. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.